Hello and welcome everyone to the Traction Stage podcast. Traction is what every founder in an early stage startup is looking for. It is the clear evidence that the market wants your product or service and it's when things start getting bigger and better. I'm Alexandre Azevedo and as your host I'll interview startup entrepreneurs from all over the world to better understand which were the elements they've counted on and the challenges they faced before finding traction for their businesses. In this episode, I'll interview Claudia King, founder of Otomio. Well, hello, Claudia. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? Hey, Alex. I'm well, thanks. I'm stoked to be here. Great. Awesome. Awesome. So, first of all, congratulations for Otomio's success. It is really a pleasure having you here in our podcast. And before starting, before understanding, How did you generate traction for Otomio? I would like to ask you to, to tell us a little bit about the fundamental problem that Otomio is solving and what is the solution that it offers its customers to, to solve that problem? Yeah, sure. So the in terms of the, the problem that we solve, I think it's possibly useful for me to go back and tell you about the time when I sort of discovered the problem um, that Automio solves. So I, um, my joke is that I'm a recovering lawyer. So I was a lawyer for 11 years. And for seven of those years, I was an extremely busy, pretty much burnt out law firm partner. And I started off my career in 2006. And in 2007, I joined Facebook for the first time. Not long after joining Facebook, I, I joined a bunch of um, Facebook groups of small business owners here in New Zealand. And these groups were really interesting. So, you know, those small business groups where people join to share knowledge and advice and um, to sort of, you know, do cross referrals and things like that. So I was in one of these groups and In the group, people often posted questions asking for advice, and a lot of the time they would ask for legal advice. And I found this really fascinating because I was a new lawyer, sort of fresh out of law school, and you know, I'd trained for five years to become a lawyer, and here were people um, in a Facebook group asking for legal advice from people that they didn't know and who had no legal training. And what's more is these business owners would provide legal advice, and I say legal advice in air quotes, to these people. And it was often wrong, like probably well over 50% of the time it was wrong. And I became really fascinated by this. And I started asking questions around in these groups around, you know, why people were asking for legal advice from people they'd never met before online and for pe from people who were obviously not lawyers. And I got a lot of, um, you know, I got a lot of responses and it was interesting because I thought that a lot of it would have to do with the price of lawyers, but actually it was around the accessibility and, and being able to understand lawyers. So people said things like, I've tried calling my lawyer three times to ask her this question and she will not phone me back. I've emailed my lawyer twice and he won't email me back. Um, you know, I've, I've 
asked my lawyer and he wants me to drive over town to meet with him to discuss this, but I don't have time to drive the 45 minutes to go and talk to him. I just want an an answer on the phone. Um, I also had things like I, I have spoken to my lawyer about this and she talked me through it, but she was the information she gave me was so confusing and I didn't understand it so I need somebody who you know speaks my language to break it down for me so I found this very interesting um and then as sort of part of my journey um so back in 2011 I launched New Zealand's first online legal service called Legal Beagle And through that, we sold online legal services and automated legal documents to people here in New Zealand. Um, And so it was around that time that I became very interested in automation. And initially, my, my enthusiasm for law firm automation was from the client's point of view and wanting to serve the clients better and wanting to make, you know, legal services more affordable, accessible and understandable. But then during my time as a law firm partner, I became so burnt out and stressed because of the billable hour model that most law firms um, use to run their business. And the problem with the billable hour model is you can't scale your law firm because your revenue or your income is always limited to the number of hours in the day. Um, and while you can employ more people, um, you know, there's the, the, I guess, the work around supervising more, more people. So I wanted to find a way that I could um, use my valuable intellectual property that I created as a lawyer and use it and sell it online to generate revenue for my law firm while I was sleeping, basically, is is what it was. So, yes, so so initially I developed Automio for myself, for my own law firm, to, to use it so that I could automate my intellectual property and sell it online so that I could earn a revenue that wasn't tied to the number of hours that I worked. And then through that process, um, I've always been really interested in business and, and, you know, when I was a lawyer, I loved doing big deals uh, for my clients. And as time went on, I sort of, I became very ambitious and my law firm and, and Legal Beagle were always going to be restricted to legal services and restricted to New Zealand. And I really wanted to build uh, a global company and not just be restricted to legal. So I saw that the product that I developed for my law firm and for Legal Beagle, which is now called Automio, um, was the big opportunity for me um, and that I could sell it to other lawyers initially and then to other um, professionals and business owners eventually. So that's, yeah, basically in a, in a nutshell, my journey and the way I discovered the problems that my product now solves. Yeah, that, that's, that's really amazing. Actually, actually how, how you, you got your perception about the situation and this billable hour situation uh, that uh, lawyers face and the customers face too. Uh, 
And regarding the, 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 the scalability of the business model, which is something that restrains a lot the business model, of course. And what, what you did was thinking about digitizing things. And, and of course, firstly, for Legal Beagle, which was uh, the, the, the law firm that you, that you had, that you wanted to provide online services. And then you pivoted your, pivoted your idea so you could uh, encompass other law firms and, to, and sell that solution for them which is really, mm. really amazing. And what I was thinking about, is, I know that uh, you have worked with, uh, with uh, law or as a lawyer for some years. And I know that you have some, some uh, or the idea generation came from that too. And from your family too, am I right? Yeah, that's right. So when I... When I was a lawyer, I owned a law firm with my dad, Dennis, and so together we had our sort of more traditional law firm called Dennis King Law, and then while we were running Dennis King Law together, we launched Legal Beagle, and then after that, we used Dennis King Law and Legal Beagle to incubate Automio, and so dad and I founded Automio together. Uh, but unfortunately, he passed away about two and a half years ago. So that was, um, yeah, that was quite a difficult time. And at that time, I was actually, I had so much going on because I had my law firm, I had Legal Beagle, I had Automio, plus I was about seven months pregnant with my second child. And so I thought, oh, I might just shelve Automio for now. Um, and so it almost didn't go ahead because, of course, we used Legal Beagle and Dennis King Law to incubate it. And so we needed, um, you know, good profits in those businesses to get Automio off the ground. And then when Dad died, you know, one of the biggest or the biggest fee earner in our business um, was suddenly gone, so that revenue was gone. So I just didn't have the same sort of financial means to to incubate Automio anymore. But then not long after Dad's funeral, um, a, a couple who are, who are friends of our family came to me and said, look, we don't really understand what it is that you're doing with Automio. Um, and at this stage, I don't even think it was called Automio yet. It was called the DAS, which stands for Document Assembly System. So it was called the DAS for, for, for a couple of years while we were um, developing it so anyway they came to me and they said look we don't really know what you're doing but um, we really believe in you and we'd like to invest in it to help you get it off the ground and um, and so so that was yeah so so that was sort of the first the first step in um, raising capital to get Automio off the ground and how far did you did you develop uh, Otomio uh, in that time before? Of course, unfortunately, your 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 father's uh, was dead. But uh, uh, how long uh, or or how was uh, Otomio developed uh, so far? And what was the stage? Because I understand that you had the idea for Legal Beagle, and you were you were already incubating it and developing it. Um, but uh, how was the cycle or how did that cycle happen? Uh, how long did it take, for example? 
Yeah, so we launched Legal Beagle at the end of 2011 and it was in about 2013 that I decided that we needed uh, we needed some proper automation software that would integrate with our website so that we could sell. So two, two autom- years. Automated two years online. Well, we didn't start Automio until 2013, I think it was. And at okay. that point, we didn't start building it. We had some prototypes built by different software developers um, because we had a couple of prototypes built first that were pretty rubbish. And again, at that point, I was sort of almost ready to give up because I just couldn't seem to communicate my vision for the software to a developer. It was a lot harder than I thought. So, yeah, and I think it was at the end of 2013 that I met Matt Sagan, who was uh, who ended up being our first employee. So I met Matt Sagan at a local technology meeting here in New Plymouth, which is a small city in New Zealand. And I told him about what I wanted to do, and he became very interested and said that um, you know he could, he believed he could build me a, a prototype that would give me what I wanted. So we paid him to build a prototype and it was really good. Um, mm-hmm. And then about a year after that, we started actually developing the, the full Automio product. And we did the development in two stages. So the first stage was to build the, the editor or the automation tool itself. And then the second stage of development was to build the marketplace, which is where the, the automations or the bots that are built with the automation tool can be traded, so they can be bought, sold, or resold in our in our marketplace. Um, so it was between stage one and stage two that Dad passed away. So, so the reason why we needed more money was because we needed to develop all of stage two before we could really launch the product in the way that I wanted to. So, um, yeah, so so when Dad passed away, we'd bought the editor or, or the automation tool so you could build bots. You just There was just no way yet of actually, um, you know, being able to easily integrate them with your website and use our payment platform and things like that. Okay, so so the first stage, and, and when you, you talk with Matt Sagan, um it it, it it took one year so you start developing the first stage if i understood correctly the first stage of automio and uh how how long did it take for you to get this first mvp and i'm not so sure it's it's just an mvp or if it is very similar to what 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 you have today with all the features that you can that you offer today but how long did it take for for you and matt uh, take the um, the new Otomio or new development of Otomio idea until you have something that you could show people or show law firms and say, hey, this is what we have. We would like to 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 show. You would like to 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 make a presentation. Or how long did it take? And and how was it like when you offered the first uh, potential customer? So we launched the product into the market and. June 2017, and at that point, it was really an MVP. Um, before that, we had a limited we had a limited beta group, um, 
and then we when we launched it it was really still an it was it was rough it was still it was still an mvp so in terms of how long it took us to develop it um, both stages all up would have taken about uh, 18 months to two years and it was it was a bit of a strange process because here in New Zealand you can get um, uh, funding for for research and development and some software development does fall within that and we applied to the government for some funding to help us pay for the development of Automio and eventually we got it but it took a long time and the problem with that is that you're not actually allowed to start developing it until your grant is approved. So there was quite a lot of waiting around for grants to be approved before we actually started developing the product. So there were sort of some big kind of like periods where we were just waiting to hear whether we had money or not to do it. Okay, you had a plan, but you, you needed the money, you needed the funds, so you had to wait for these funds. Yeah, that's right. Ridiculous. Yeah, these ridiculous rules in New Zealand around getting getting funding to, to help with development of software. But all up, it probably took about two years. Okay, okay. And and uh, how uh, are, are the first MVP, it was related just to automation uh, or, or I, I mean, you, you told me that uh, the first stage was related to automation, the, the second stage to mm -hmm. the marketplace. Uh, how was it like and, and who was the first or who were the first kind of cust customers or early evangelists of your of your product and how did you approach them? So that's actually a really good question. Um, so because I launched Legal Beagle here in New Zealand, I suppose I was able to create a bit of a following of lawyers sort of early on before I launched Automio. And plus, through my work, I, I knew a lot of lawyers as well. And so I had spoken to a lot of them and told them about what I was doing. And, you know, everybody was really positive and saying, oh, you know, yes, we'd definitely buy something like that. But it's interesting because when you actually launch the product and, you know, go to market and you go to these people, suddenly <laughs> they don't want to get out the checkbook. <laughs> Um, but the way that we did it was, so we launched it in June, 2017, but we were actually due to launch it three months earlier. So because of the delay, what I decided to do, because I'm a really impatient person, right? I was just like, I just want to get this into the market now, but because we couldn't get it into the market three months earlier as planned, I did a pre-launch. And basically what I did is I ran um, a series of webinars and then pitched the product at the end. And I said, you know, this is um, what the product does. These are the benefits of it. It's not available yet, but if you sign up for a pre-launch subscription, you're going to get access, you're going to be the first to get access to it um, when it launches in a couple of months. And so we were able to sell, I think about... 20 to 30 um, seats at that point to these early adopters who really just wanted to be in on the action. And it was really those people that, you know, sort of 
that, that helped us get our first bit of traction in the market and um, who we used to help us give feedback. They were people who, you know, weren't my friends or contacts. They were sort of, you know, really third-party people who were interested in uh, using automation within their law firms. So I, yeah, so that's how we did it. And I, I think it was a really... It, it was a really great way to, you know, get some money coming in the door to start with and mm-hmm. just to get some people engaged with the product straight off the straight off the bat. So with your network, you've started a, a, a work or, or preparing them for this, this launch of your app. And of course, you were gathering opinions. You were gathering uh, some some awareness about your about your product. And, and that's what's exactly what I, what I was going to ask you in the sequence here. Uh, what about the marketing strategies? And I understood that the webinar and this pre, pre-launch strategy was very successful. Uh, do, do you have or did, did, you, did you do any other marketing strategies regarding, I don't know, maybe social media or events or what did you use or what, what were the most successful marketing strategies to really get more traction or get the traction coming for your platform, of course, besides the, the, the webinars and, and this pre-launch, uh, pre-launch phase. Yeah, so, so our product's been in the market for about 18 months now, and over that time, we've, we've changed the way that we sell the product a lot um, because what we started doing initially didn't Work. There are a number of things we didn't have right, including our pricing. And initially, I thought I would be able to sell it sort of purely online through, um, you know, content marketing and digital marketing in the same way that I'd sold Legal Beagle. I'd been very successful mm-hmm. at selling Legal Beagle solely through digital marketing. And I thought that I would be able to apply that to Otomio. But of course, Legal Beagle was B2C and Automio is B2B, so completely different, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I've so we've really had to learn to sell B2B. So we still do a number of marketing activities, um, but in addition, we also have a sales team. So we as part of our sales team, we've got a couple of people um, you know, out doing demos, closing deals, and then we've got somebody, um, a sales development rep who um, does cold outreach um, as well as they take our marketing leads and nurture them and then get them into demos and then the the sales guys sort of take it from there. So the whole sales team piece was very new to me and I knew that I needed some help with it. So I actually joined... um, Dan Martell's SAS Academy probably about 10 months ago and he's very good at marketing funnels, sales pipelines and so through being part of that coaching program um, I've learned a lot and I've been able to to put together the the framework for the sales team and um, you know change our marketing so that instead of just kind of putting out content that doesn't really convert. We've now got some really good lead magnets that convert um, in, mm-hmm. to get qualified leads that we push into our sales pipeline. 
So there's been a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes made, but we're at a point now where we've got something that works pretty well and we're now refining it. But when I see, and, and well, of course, maybe I don't have the right understanding here, but when I see lawyers and, and sometimes uh, they, are, they are very reactive uh, about... Um, about using new solutions or using new platforms and 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 maybe uh, the the billable hour business model is not uh, is not something that uh, can be performed by a machine so um, what what do you what do you what do you have to say about that or the difficulty that you had with the with this kind of problems and 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 and, and these kind of customers yeah, sure. It, it's a great question because um, because you know selling to lawyers and finding a way to to solve their problems has been a big journey and learning experience for us. So we our target customer has like our description of our target customer has changed a lot over the eighteen months that we've been selling the product. And we've really had to niche down and then niche down again to get the traction. So when we first launched the product, we would pretty much demo to anybody that would, you know, show some interest or would give us the time of day. And well, just to go back a step, when when I first launched the product, the product was all about helping lawyers to sell online. And then because we because we were out in the market demoing and talking to any lawyer that would listen to us, we had a lot of feedback um, from these, these people that they didn't want to sell online. They never would. And all they wanted to do was use Automio as an internal efficiency gain tool so that they could bill their, their clients the same amount, but they could do the work faster. So we took that feedback on board and thought that the whole online selling piece um, was no good. It was not something that our product would be able to, to do because there just wasn't a market for it. Um, and so we changed our messaging and our target customer to, um, you know, a, a, around internal efficiency gain. So, you know, that's obviously quite a different message than using automation to help you sell online and generate revenue online that isn't tied to the number of hours that you work. So we changed all our messaging all over our website and all through our marketing collateral. And then towards the end of last year, so this was reasonably recently, like, you know, probably four or five months ago, um, I was feeling pretty negative about, the direction that Automio was suddenly going because I, my, my passion is around the marketplace and, you know, mm -hmm. having a global marketplace where lawyers and other professionals can, can capture their intellectual property in bots and trade those bots um, online so that end consumers, clients can get affordable, accessible, understandable legal help whenever they need it so that's what I was passionate about and of course all of a sudden we were helping law firms gain internal efficiencies 
And we started looking at our customers. We looked at our customer list and we started analysing how each one was engaging with Automio. Were they successful with the product or not? And it was really fascinating. It was a real eye-opener because we could see that our customers who were using Automio to sell online, because we still had a whole lot that were, were far more successful with the product and they were engaging with it and using it like mm-hmm. so much more than the customers who who were using it for internal efficiency gains. They weren't using it much. So that was a real eye-opener. And um, around the time I was reading this book, um, around sales processes and niching down and all of a sudden I was just like look we need to niche down on law firms that want to be selling online if if law firms you know come to us and they want to use Automio for internal efficiency gain we need to we need to move away from it because the likelihood of those customers being successful with the product is far less than a customer who wants to, you know, sell online legal solutions from their website. So we niche down to, um, you know, entrepreneurial law firm owners, um, small to medium-sized law firms who want to sell online. And we changed all our messaging um, towards towards them. And since we, we, we've done that, it has just been such a game changer for us and our traction has really started increasing since we did that. So it was a bit of a risk and a lot of my team at the time were like, oh, no, I don't think there's enough law firms or lawyers out there that that match our new target customer. And I said, look, they're out there. We just need to find them. And they are. They are out there and we are finding them. Wow, awesome. Awesome, awesome. Uh awesome journey and awesome understanding about how did you do and, and what were exactly the, the challenges that you face uh, and that you faced in, in this in this path. And finally, I and before ending the interview, Claudia, I would love to hear uh, uh, from you, from someone that has achieved traction with Atomio. I would love to hear some piece of advice for those early stage startup entrepreneurs that uh, want to achieve traction and that maybe have an idea as you had in the past and what were the elements what were the 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 things that most helped you on this journey from getting that idea of building something or 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 building Otomio from the moment that you achieved traction from the moment that you started uh doing some business or, or finding some some first customers and we know that yeah each startup uh, has a different path, a different uh, journey. But of course, I strongly believe that there are elements, there are things that we can share from a successful uh, startup um, entrepreneur's story. And what kind of things would you say them in order to get that idea and to, to, to do a successful uh, way to the traction stage? Yeah, so there's there's two things that immediately spring to mind. The first is that it's really important that you stay true to your vision for the product and the company. Um, That story that I just told you about how we moved away from my vision, how we went from, you know, having a marketplace focus to then an internal efficiency game focus, and it just wasn't aligned with my vision. And 
it was because we were talking to the wrong people who gave us the wrong feedback. So my advice would be to, you know, stay true to your vision. If you're not getting the feedback that aligns with your vision, then you're possibly speaking to the wrong people. So my second bit of advice is around your target customer. Um, it's really easy. It's really easy to fall into a scarcity mindset and think that if you niche down on your target customer, that there won't be enough of them out there to sell to to allow you to get the traction that you you know sort of desperately need. Um, but I think that it's worth reading the book uh, from Impossible to Inevitable. That was the book that I read that made me realize that I had to you know niche down and then niche down again and get success with a small pool of people and then you can you know gradually sort of open the net after that so that would be the second bit of advice and the third bit of advice something that I wish I had done more of was build build a brand around myself and what I was doing before I launched the product and I think that that was a missed opportunity for me because I already had a bit of a following in New Zealand anyway with what I was doing in the online legal space. And I should have been, you know, blogging and writing valuable content for people who were interested in that, for for people far, far before I actually launched the product. And the benefit of that would have been that when I did launch the product, I would have already had an audience of people who I could sell it to on launch, who I'd already built some trust with, who I'd already given value to. And I think that that would have allowed me to get traction faster. Awesome. Awesome. I really, really like the, all these three advices, of course. And, and I think they are very insightful for, for every startup entrepreneur. And this last one is very amazing because you don't have to wait, uh, your product to be ready or MVP to be ready to start selling your idea, to start selling who you are. And this is a very interesting thing. And of course you already had uh, some great knowledge and some important knowledge and reputation around uh, what you were, were trying to build and you could have used more. That's what you're saying. You could have used more uh, that reputation or that, uh, that idea or, uh, about who you are, who you are uh, to leverage your product launch and, and success. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good way of putting it. How you just put it is you don't need to you don't need to wait. You can start today if you're in the early stages of building a product, of getting your MVP done. Don't wait till it's done. Start today by creating your brand and you do need to put a bit of thought into it around you know who you are and who you're talking to and what your message is but if you can nail that then I believe you can build a really strong brand pretty quickly okay that, that's awesome that's awesome well Claudia thank you so much for being with us today thank you so much for your time for sharing your experience by building uh, Otomio's uh, traction and how did you get there and Again, congratulations for your success. Congratulations for Otomio's success too. And I wish you all the best. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Bye-bye. And how about you? Did you like this episode? Please visit us at attractionstage.com and leave your comment. 
There you will find all the episode's show notes, as well as additional information about the founders and their startups. I'll wait for you there. Bye-bye.